Welcome to Idle Weekend. I'm Danielle Riendo, and I'm here with my co-host Rob Zachney to wind down another week. This weekend, we're talking about getting old, stat decay in sports, in games, and in life. So Rob, this is this is a topic I've been thinking about a lot for actually for a couple of reasons, which will show up as in our main topic as well as in our sort of endorsements at the end at the end of the show. But I have been playing Punch Club. I finally, I actually beat it. I, I got all the way to the end, even even through some some bugs and some difficulties and some annoyances. Um, and it it has made me think a lot about stat decay and aging and the anxiety of high level sports, basically. Uh, so to to just to briefly recap, uh, I think we've talked about it a tiny bit on here and a little tiny bit on Waypoint Radio. But Punch Club is a it's a management sim with strategic combat, basically. You have a little fighter, and there's a story, and there's all sorts of uh, other little things. But you have a little boxer. He's really more of a MMA fighter because he does uh, punching and kicking and, and other stuff as well. And it's not exactly super tied to reality. There's a lot of little superhero things right. and little you know Ninja Turtles parodies and stuff. So it's like a little like game dev story type thing? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Or, quite is a bit. A little, or is it a little crunchier than that in terms of like what you're managing and, and how you're managing? It's a little bit crunchier than that and also has the entire combat side, which is uh, pretty fairly in-depth, actually, um, as a little sort of tactical combat simulator. You're never directly controlling your fighter in the combat. You just select a bunch of moves, uh, hopefully ones that suit your abilities and suit your build, basically. You know, the stats that you try to build up uh, and then, you know, try to win with that style of fighter. And there's sort of three different fighting styles. There's bear, tiger, and turtle, based on the sort of what stats you favor, because there's strength, agility, and and uh, endurance. If you, if you want to know, I picked tiger, which is like an agility build, uh, low right. strength, low strength, very high agility, and like moderate uh, endurance, basically. Uh, but you can, you can sort of uh, suit those three stats however you'd like, and, uh, you know, sort of mix and match styles somewhat, but it, it always sort of behooves you to definitely pick one strength and uh, sort of a a, a backup strength and then not pay attention at all to the other stat because in this game and the reason why uh, it it's sort of feeds into this topic, there is massive, painful stat decay. Every single day you have to manage your fighter, you have to train, you have to train your stats, you have to sort of build your stats up and you have to do things like manage your job and have your you know little girlfriend and have things like you know sleeping and Ooh. eating and buying food okay, and all so sorts of other life, stuff there's a life sim element to this as well oh yes okay oh, yes. So, it's, so it's not just like tune your little your little fighter up and and upgrade you your, stats your life like, okay and okay. if you don't go to work you won't have money to buy food which means you won't have energy to train so you have to do all of these things uh, and so you have you're to manage like a things. pro fighter who's doing full-time like the game gives you like space box for later in the game, you do okay. way late. That's but you're you're more you're you're more early in Rocky One where you got to go down to oh, the docks yeah. and like lift shit. Oh yeah, and then yeah. there's of course little Rocky parodies in this game too, which are very cute and I liked them. It, it fits the style. It's like a very like colorful little game, um, but it is so painful because you you lose a huge chunk of progress every single day. Just just as soon as the clock hits midnight. Uh, you know, and you go into the next day, you automatically lose like a certain percentage of each one of your stats. <laughs> and it's like, no, <laughs> it's this like, oh, it's so gut wrenching and so painful. And so like not it's not realistic in that every day, you know, a, a literal human being who trains fighting will lose, you know, a chunk of their skills or anything. But it is realistic in that if you get hurt or if you have to take time off or if whatever happens, you do get rusty. You do actually lose some of your progress. And to be anything like a high-level fighter or even like a decent competitive amateur, you have to put massive, massive, massive amounts of time into training uh, in real life. And you really will sort of decay, you know, from, from a certain level, like almost immediately. And uh, it's so painful. <laughs> it's so... Oh God! It just—it just sort of like—I don't mean to say—hit me right there and in a dumb punny way, but like it actually really was like, oh man! I think this is why this game speaks to me so directly. Like yeah. it's, it, this is too fucking real right now. Um, just speaking from an injury-prone, like I'm gonna turn 33 in a couple of days. 
<laughs> like I've returned to martial arts. Uh, you know, I'm training like three days a week uh, for at least a few hours uh, a day when I'm training. And, and, you know, on my off days, I'm running and I'm doing other stuff. And like, you know, it's I'm so happy to be back. But it also like I know that if I had done this when I was younger, I'd be making gains more quickly. And I know that, you know, being injury prone sucks because it means taking time off and it means all these other things. It's just sort of this game speaks so directly yeah. to those feelings. Um, and it, it also kind of, uh, you know, just speaking about the game and, and why I liked it so much, it, it really does kind of get the vibe of training and how much fun it is actually to be making gains and getting better and like, you know, in real life, I am actually a little bit stat obsessed with my own, you know, like how fast, what's my, what's my mile time like right now? Or, you know, how hard can I hit this? Or, or how much can I do? That sort of thing. Uh, so <laughs> you're going in the little gym in this game and I'm actually like very comforted. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this feels like going to a gym and actually getting your work in and kind of, you know, being in that atmosphere. So, oh man, this is like <laughs> an early game of the year contender. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. So like that's how anything, much. So is it all me. just one way decline, or does anything like come with with, with time and age? Does anything get easier? I mean, in real life, maybe not in the game, though. Okay. Because <laughs> I mean, like, so like in career modes in uh, like sports sims, for instance. Uh, Generally, there's an arc, right? So yeah. a lot of rookies like continue to actually like gain some strength and speed. Uh, yeah. Like after like going pro. Uh, but then, you know, the early 20s are over, and then, like, there's a little bit of decline between seasons. Some yeah. things, though, actually improve because you're still training, and then toward the end of the career, like, all the indicators start pointing down, uh, <sighs> and yeah. training starts being a little bit less effective at delaying uh, the, those declines. But, like, on the other hand, there are, some, there are often some stats that aren't really age-dependent, uh, they're more like, um, you know, like so in a hockey game, uh, you know, there's just a little bit more experience that, like the that pro experience that a player gets, and uh, that that tends to like improve things like awareness and, yes. and things like that. So, there, uh, there actually, now that I'm thinking of it, there are some things. So, so you gain medals at least before the end game, uh, where you're just doing pro fights for money, basically. Uh, the entire sort of first three quarters of the game, you're getting medals whenever you win a fight. And those go towards buying new abilities and buying like these massive stat buffs that are like, you're 15% more effective at training this stat or you won't lose this stat or that stat. So that kind of speaks to that sort of, you know, the wisdom that comes with a bit of age and more time and more seasoning and, the, and those sort of, you know, soft stats that, that go into it. So you, there, there is, it's just... You know, you never; those things are never as much as you want them to be <laughs> uh, in in life and in games. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm also sort of like you know this this won't be my endorsement because we talked about it previously, but I'm also very much. Uh, I finally finished that first season of Pitch, and I'm I'm just thinking about Mike as I uh -huh. as I'm you know playing this game and as I'm you know myself doing martial arts again, um, and you know in approaching my mid thirties. God. Yeah, help me. And he's a character um, from the first. You're, you learn that his knees are starting to go, and for a catcher, yep. that's basically that's it. You're on the clock. Yep. Yeah. He can still hit. He's still a great hitter, but you know he's right. He's got those bad knees, man. It's and like this later season in the or season, next. Later in the season, they're like, you know? maybe you can play first base, uh, which is you know the, I guess maybe in modern baseball is sort of the exit route for a great catcher. Um, yeah. Because they're the you know it's a place you can put a catcher, uh, and you can still retain use of all their other talents, but you don't ha yeah. have the weaknesses. Uh, yeah. Although I'm not sure how long that's been a thing and how, how common uh, it is in, yeah, in, a, in baseball. That's a really good question. Actually. But, yeah, no, like a big part of that show, the, the pathos of it, is that uh, Jenny is, is on the way up. And she is, her career is just starting to take off, and she is still getting better and improving. And yeah, she's twenty three. Yeah, yeah, and he's very much staring down the barrel of the end of it. Yeah, and it's it kills me. Like it's killing me. And just you know, he's he's such a a you know classic kind of sports movie character for sure. Oh, yeah. But like, God, I just I hear it so loud and clear. I'm not a 
pro baseball player, but I just hear that in his voice of just how much he loves the game and, and this is his life and he doesn't want to give it up and he doesn't want to, you know, he knows he has to adapt to some kind of new life, like when he does, you know, sports casting. And of course, that's a, that's sort of a tryout for like, oh, an X star, you know, if he can actually call a game that 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 would be great. That'd be good for him. And he's kind of like, oh, God, he clearly just wants to play baseball his whole life. And he yeah. knows he can't. And he knows how much he has given his life to this game and, and how he can't get it back. Well, he I mean, that's want the, it back, that's the other know? angle of this is that. I mean, this is a character who defined himself through this game, and it's been pretty clear, like, let everything else kind of go, right? Yes. Like, his only real relationships are in the game. Yep. Um, outside relationships have basically been sacrificed uh, yeah. for, for baseball. Like, he's very much one of those guys who doesn't... Because there's other characters, right? Like, uh, what's his name, Bunk? Yeah. Um, like, he's got... Your, your, he's got everything. I think it's Blip. Blip, that's right. Is it Blip? I'll check. But um, go on. <laughs> yeah, Ginny's buddy. Yeah, Ginny's uh, buddy. With the cool wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the cool wife and the cool kids. And he's 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 sort of like mid-career. Like, he's doing really, really yeah. well. He has plenty of time left. And you he's know, like, if all goes well. But He's a, he's a good ball player. He's a good... But he's yeah. not... Yeah, he, he's not like a star. Right. And, but, but it's interesting, because that's, that's kind of this juxtaposition, where this is a character who kind of didn't sacrifice much at all uh for for the game like actually it's actually harder on his wife than it was on on him, on him yeah. uh, which is handled really really well in, in yeah. one episode but it's an interesting example of like you have these two really different approaches to the game two athletes who are in a very similar play if both ended up on the same team one is the superstar who's Kind of said, well, I'm a ball player and that's it, and there's I'm like there's going to be nothing else in my life beyond this game, yeah. and then there's no like when, when that game begins to slip away from you, what's left, and then there's and then there's Blip, uh, who I think you're right, I think it is Blip, uh, I think yeah, I checked, uh, I think, it's Blip. Bunk is an, another <laughs> another character from Bunk is somebody, show. yeah, it, um, <laughs> there's a but, Bunk somewhere, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he doesn't need baseball. In the way that Mike needs it, yeah. Like he he's gonna have home. a life. Yeah. yeah, he goes home at the end of the day, and he's busy. He's got he's got dad stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. And he'll probably have no problem later in life running a business or being a sportscaster. You know, doing whatever kind of successful, right. happy retired players do. You right. know, coaching or or whatever else. He has good leadership qualities. He has all those other things, and it's like. Oh God! And then you have Jenny trying to figure out what her approach is going to be. You know, yeah. she was sort of driven throughout her life by the expectations of kind of an overbearing dad. Yeah. And now it's you've arrived, but what do you want your relationship and your life to look like uh, around yeah. the game? So yeah, it's it's really really well handled, and yeah, it totally uh, touches on those. But but I do find like. Mike's situation is uh, very sympathetic, but at the same time, it's also one of those. I like. I do not ever want to be in a situation like that where it's <laughs> like, yeah, that you gotta have. You gotta have something else. Uh, you know. You know what I mean. You can't be somebody who's like, like Mike is. Mike is confronting like his forties. And like, well, my life is over. Life's gonna be garbage. I don't know what to do because I have nothing else. Yeah. And it's like, boy, that is a talk about a trap you set for yourself early. Yeah. And then just like deny that you're ever going to have to like pay the price on the back end. God, yeah. But like, at the same time, how could you not if you're that talented? You know, it's it, oh, yeah. it's it's almost not. I'm not saying this guy obviously has a very nice life. I'm not saying this is like a curse. Like, oh, poor him. But like, you know, it. it this is sort of the, the the painful part of being an incredibly talented person and in any yes. walk of life, include I mean, sports is, is probably one of the most dramatic, but even somebody like I have a an uncle who's an incredibly, incredibly talented heart surgeon who, you know, definitely made a lot of sacrifices in his personal life and like, you know, spent less time maybe with his kids and things like that because of that. Because like this is the thing I am amazing at and I have to do it. You know, one of those kind of things and and athletes who are 
incredibly, incredibly talented and, and hardworking and, and have that chance. It's like, well, you have to grab it no matter what it's going to do to yeah. you. It's This is the, the one in 10 billion chance that somebody could get. So you you almost have to take it given the way kind of the world is oh, structured. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, God, I love that show so much. Outside of, you know, the Mark Zuckerberg of mocap, that, oh, Jesus, that's, <laughs> oh, just, uh, yeah, boy, boy, do woof. I have questions about that decision. Uh, yeah, so in pitch, the 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 love interest who is finally introduced is uh, well, they they basically went the Serena Williams route, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. The uh, oh, what the hell's his name? Alex. Ohan uh. Ohan oh. Ohanian, I think it is. Yes. Uh, but yeah, basically, you know, your classic Silicon Valley. Uh, character uh, with a billion dollars is yeah. the love interest who's introduced. Um, boy, I don't know how the show wants me to feel about this guy. Oh, God, uh, I know. Because, man, the... She was really thrilled. <laughs> there's this moment. <laughs> like, Pitch is good, but there's, sometimes I wonder if it really knows what it's doing. Yeah. There's a moment where she realizes that he's not just a spoiled like Silicon Valley douchebag. Yeah. Because she goes to a coffee shop to meet him, and he's up there playing acoustic guitar. Oh, I know. And I was like, oh, oh Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, like anyone that I'd be friends with probably is turning around and leaving yep. uh, in, in that situation. It was so, like, I, I watched the show with, with my girlfriend, and I seriously was like, honey, I can't. Like, I can't. I love That's this show good. so much, but I good. can't with this guy. <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah, it's like... It's this this weirdly soap opera thing. Enjoy your acoustic guitar. It's all good. Please do. There's a there there was a period where it seemed like you could not you could not throw a rock in a coffee shop without hitting someone whose entire like musical universe was up there was up there playing whose entire musical universe was not encompassed by some combination of John Mayer and Dashboard Confessional. Oh, Lord, I know. And so Pitch is like, oh, see, he's not like what you thought. He plays he plays guitar in coffee shops. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I was like, oh, God, it's worse. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, it would have been so much better if he was some like something really weird. Like, he, he loves, you know... I don't know, playing with circus animals. <laughs> I don't know, just something actually different. Yeah, no, like, I mean, if the dude was like, meet me at this, like, uh, animal he shelter or something derby. like that. I don't like, know. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, point is, aging is tough. Uh, and there's a few, like, Punch Club, it sounds interesting, because it, it, Punch Club seems like it's all about the choices of, um, most sports games don't deal with the mundane, right. right? Like you train, you decide which which stats to buff, but there's never a yeah. But you also have to have, like live your life. That doesn't come up in most sports games, uh, although it's absolutely a factor for anyone trying to come up in a sport. Yes, and uh, very much so, especially working class folks, which this game definitely is. You know, hitting that the the you know the working class boxing gym, the the rocky vibes, and also the the fact that he has to do manual labor. You yeah. can either uh, deliver pizzas on a bike or do manual construction so is labor. Your char- you, you say you say he is your character like defined like is it, it is a story? that's the only thing I don't I would have really loved the choice to play as a woman for yeah. sure. Just you know, just as a preference, uh, yeah. but you do have a defined character and a little story, and a, okay. it, it's it's like a cheesy kind of martial arts story. You know, okay, your father was yeah. this, and blah blah blah. And but but it's not like of... you're just playing a vessel for stats. No, you're like a, you're a person. You okay, have a life. So you gotta have like, a little relation. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's very cool. I I need to check this out. What platform is this for again? Um. Well, I actually it just came out on 3ds, and okay. that's how I played it. But it actually came out last year on PC and Android, and okay. I'm pretty sure it's on. I'm almost positive it's on Steam. That's actually. really cool. So. Uh, I think, yeah. <laughs> and and we this may have come up the last time we talked about this, but like, uh, I mean, it it uh, it freaked me out when I was uh, a few years younger and I was playing Sid Meier's Pirates. Yeah. And your character starts getting slower and older 
in pre-tier. <sighs> and to the point where, it, like, I would say the game becomes very hard to complete uh, toward the end if you haven't, like, really gotten a move on with, with all your ambitions. Oh, man. And it was like, oh, God, like, my, my captain's only, like, 33, and, like, he can't sword fight and swashbuckle as well as he used oh, to. No. And it was, like, terrifying. Because oh. it's like, I'm, I'm almost 30. Like, when's this, like... No, it's not gonna be like that. That's not gonna. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it like few games. Uh, few games really tackle this, but like sports games do a little more, but usually not with a realistic context around it. Yeah, it's uh, it's also something that you know. This is just only sort of uh, semi-related, but just feels like there's all these things sort of in my life and in my work that keep popping up around this idea of like, of like aging and plateauing even, and just not getting better fast enough and, and declining. Uh, Cameron Kunzelman actually wrote a really great piece uh, at Waypoint yesterday, believe it or not, about plateauing and Overwatch and just being done. Just being like, I'm never, I'm not getting any better. I'm winning and losing at exactly the same rate. And just not getting any better. I'm just not learning at this point. Um, and this sort of, God, plateauing and general decline and and all of that. And and it's also tied for me very, very strongly into fear of injury because I injure myself every other goddamn day, it seems like. And it, that's kind of what kept me from being, like, a really awesome athlete. Like, I was I was pretty good, you know, oh, so this was, this my was college even a team. thing when you were in college. Like, yes, it even yeah. was. Um, I was like the captain of the team and I was, you know, consistently one of the, the best runners on yeah. the team. Uh, but especially later on, like my, my junior and senior seasons, I sat out half the season with a hip injury and it was always like, right. well, that, that sucks. I'm 21. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it all kind of ties into the same oh, anxiety for me. Oh, for sure. Um, like I'm, I'm going to have body horror about lower leg injuries, uh, oh, forever after tearing my CL. Um, oh, I'm sure. Like, I mean, yeah. football's really hard for me to watch in in some ways um, okay. because there's a lot of things that you see in slow mo replay, and I'm like, I know exactly what that feels like. That's yeah. the worst thing, and yeah. that person's life is probably gonna be really screwed up for the next like three months, yep. uh, maybe six. Um, yeah, and like I, I'm, I'm back in Boston this weekend, and I've been in LA for a little while, and I've gotten used to that climate and everything. So like here. I arrived just before uh, a blizzard hit, basically. <laughs> yeah. But about a day before that blizzard hits, I'm walking around uh, Harvard Square, and I could absolutely feel in my knee and my ankle the fact that like my left leg has been substantially reconstructed uh, oh, throughout man. my life. Yeah. And it's like, oh god. And I flashed back to a conversation my uh, general practitioner had with me when I was like 17 or 18. I was like, yeah, is, is this uh, ACL injury like? Is it raise my interest? Is it raise my my odds of like arthritis? And he just looked at me. He was like, "Oh, you're definitely getting arthritis." Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> he was yep. like, "Just don't, don't even question that." He was like, "You're you're six five, like two ninety, like yeah. you're gonna have arthritis no matter what, and you're definitely gonna have it in this leg." Oh but Just God. try to just try to work out and like you know. Keep you know, keep motion in it, and you'll you know you'll be fine for a while. It was really oh, Jesus. Yeah, it it was it was a very it was a very real conversation, and oh. I flashed back to that the other night where I was like, oh wow, I can totally feel that like the weather's changing all through my leg. Oh Jesus! Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, this is. Yep i I had a, a... Not that serious, uh, but a similar conversation with a, a hand surgeon a few months ago about boxing and about how I have a I have a genetic bone deformity. That is why my wrist is so injury prone. I also also this is cool. One of my legs is shorter than the other one, and that's why my hip keeps getting fucked up from running. Yeah, that's pretty common. <laughs> Bodies are weird. Yeah, it is. It is pretty common. It's yeah. just one of those things that like, oh, you know, if I wasn't punching all the time, I wouldn't have messed up my wrist. Oh, right. if I wasn't running all the time, I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, whatever. It's it's good to exercise. It's good to be healthy. It's good to do these things. It's just, ah, uh, oh, man, if you're a competitive person and you like sports and you want to compete and you want to get good and you want to do these things, it can be a real fucking bummer to uh, to to sort of see that your mortal coil is is not uh, infinite and wonderful and and yeah. aging is an actual thing that really happens. I know I'm I'm 
not very old yet, but it's it's a thing that's starting to happen. Uh, and I, you know, to end, I guess this on something of a positive note. I was I went off on on Twitter the other night, sort of after I had started boxing again, just a little bit, just doing pad work, not actually punching people, no heavy bag, and my wrist got sore again, and I just was like, man, fuck everything. I was just so upset. I was just like, God damn, can I at least have a week? you know, where things don't hurt and I can just train and be happy and have the fantasy in my head of, of training and being happy and competing, you know, locally, not like some international superstar, but just, you know, a little bit, just let me feel a little glory for all the guts I put into things. Um, and you know, there were some folks on Twitter who were very comforting. You know, there are a lot of people who, who just sort of use my complaining as a, as a way to complain, which is totally cool. But you know, somebody actually was like, you know what? You can still have your, you can still have goals. You're just going to need to get smarter and smarter about how to train at them. You're just going to need to do be smarter about your training. You're just going to need to evolve basically and adapt and and you can still be competitive. And I was like, "Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That is exactly what I needed to hear. As long as I can keep kicking and keep moving, I will keep kicking and keep moving and at least I have that." So, thank you Punch Club for <laughs> making yeah. me think about my own mortality this week. <laughs> uh, well, I think on that beautiful note, unless there are other games you can think of that are that do this well, I think we should probably move on to our mailbox. Let's yeah, say our let's, first... Let's shuffle yeah. off the segment coil. And, yes, let's and shuffle it right to, off. move to the uh, weekend correspondence. Oh, that's a great idea. Awesome. So our, our first question... Comes in from Mo Hamster, Moe Hamster. This, uh, that's an anime thing, right? Moe, Mo, Mo. I don't know. I'm not sure which uh, which Mo we've got here. Hey, there's a Mo or a Moe. We'll ask Amanda. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> they write. I just listened to your 122 2017 cast, and a reader mail question from anonymous in the Pacific Northwest sparked this line of thought. They talked about how, as they get older, mechanics were taking a backseat to story-based games. I am now 33 and find myself going in the opposite direction. I have a lot of anxiety and PTSD, and as I get older, I find that rather than being engulfed in a good story or RPG, I am triggered, and the plotline just stresses me out. I hop on my PC to play The Witcher or Fallout and end up defaulting to Overwatch or Diablo 3. I like those games, but I honestly don't always enjoy myself while playing them. They're just a mindless, uninvolved distraction from the state of the world or my personal life. How do I recapture my love of a good RPG? Not even my love. I love these games. More my ability to emotionally handle them. Does anxiety or your emotional state ever force a game uh, you love to the back of the queue? Thanks for all the great weekends. I think we may. I may have actually <laughs> done this question in a mailbag previously, okay. but it's okay because I want to hear your thoughts. I think my basic thoughts were it's totally okay for a game to comfort you in the way that you need at the time. So maybe, you know, if you don't feel the need uh, to, you know, enjoy a genre again, if it's not like an actual pressing need, then then it's cool, man. Like, like take the thing you need from games. But what are, what are your thoughts, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it, like, I am of two minds because I definitely know that I end up watching, like, for me, I think television is where I compromise more. Uh, sure. Like sure. intense uh, quality, like cable dramas, for instance, I actually tend to be very sluggish with. But <laughs> when I have time to watch TV, it's like, okay, I'm going to gravitate towards something dumb like The Flash. Um, <laughs> you know, and that is that's fine. But it, one reason I'm doing that is because I'm just like I do not have the emotional energy to get invested in um, Halt and Catch Fire right now. Sure. <laughs> and so I, I do sort of let that stop me. And I think, uh, yeah, that emotional energy thing can be a real sticking, uh, can, it can be a real a sticking point. And uh, I don't have good answers for that because what, what I have found is like usually when I just ignore that, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to like watch this thing. I never regret it. Yeah. Uh, I'm never actually like stressed or, or drained. Like, like even as exhausting as The Americans is. Yeah. The Americans is an exhausting <laughs> show. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I finish an episode of The Americans, and I'm like, I'm just going to 
sit in a dark room now for a while. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just like slide off this couch onto the floor and curl into the fetal position. Hope, hope nobody minds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope that's even, cool. <laughs> even then, I'm not like, I regret doing that. It's it's burned up energy. Uh, so it's... Usually, I don't, like... I will let those things steer me away from certain games and experiences. But when I ignore that feeling or that fear, I don't regret it. Like, I actually don't find that um, I'm actually being stressed out in the way the way I thought I might. And I guess, it, you know, a lot of it depends. Like, if, if we're talking about, like, there's stuff in an RPG that is actually, like, triggering specific, like, PTSD and stuff, uh, yeah. then, you know, man, I, th- to me that just sounds like, don't don't play that game. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's that just game like maybe that... not worth the hurting yourself, you know, to, yeah, to do it, yeah. Exactly. Now, it is interesting that, like, uh, sometimes with uh, PTSD treatment, there are... Uh, certain forms of therapy that involve actually sort of like replaying, yeah, or exposure, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but but by and large, I, I don't know, man. There's there's a world of experiences out there. Uh, I I don't know that uh, if I mean there's a lot I'd put up with for The Witcher, but but you know, <laughs> but, if, yeah. If, if there's stuff that uh, is is really like stirring stuff, really stirring bad things up, uh, I'm probably gonna go do something else on the other hand there's a point where if you're letting for me personally I think if I'm sort of absenting myself from a lot of experiences that I would like to be having because of some like generalized anxiety or specific like triggers Mm -hmm. uh, boy I'm not putting up with that yeah, <laughs> like that yeah. is that's a conversation where I'm like, that's something I'm bringing up with a therapist and being like, look, here's some bullshit. How do I fix this? Yeah. Um, and 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 see if there's see if there's a way around that because I something I do worry about a lot is at what point is self care becoming avoidance and doing its own harm. Even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's it, you know, these are all really like squirrely concepts and yeah. it's really hard to tease these things apart. Uh but but for me um I would you know, if it's if it's super sphere, hell, Overwatch is a good game. Uh <laughs> if if it's just more of a a doubt that you want you want to really put in the time on, on, on a game and, and have that experience, those feelings, um, overcome that, I would say. Like, because I, I would bet you, like, just just see, like, does it actually take it out of you? Just, you yeah. know, give, give it a shot. Or are you actually getting energized by it? Could be. Yeah. Sounds fair. That sounds fair to me. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next email comes from Nick G. One of the main advantages sports have always had over esports in terms of watchability is the human element involved. What I mean by this is when you watch any sport, it's instantly understandable on a basic level, the skill involved, because it's about humans. Hmm. Even without ever having been in an MMA fight, I understand it because I'm human. Same with soccer, football. All sports on some level can have the base mechanics and skills understood because of this. But when you watch the usual esport, the skill involved is obscured. It's hard to appreciate a skill shot in a MOBA or a sick aim in an FPS without having played one of these games for yourself to have this understanding. This is where VR comes in. It brings back that human element by potentially having you physically aim, dodge, and shoot. I think using the green screen tech used in the Steam VR demo makes it easy to show how people interact with the game instead of the more abstract keyboard and mouse movements. Basically, my question is, do you think the future of esports could be in VR by making games easier to understand for a layman by adding the, the human back into the picture? Thanks, God, that's Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I mean... want to live in, in Nick's cyberpunk, future, <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest. I do, too. Um, I mean, like, I... <sighs> I've always actually trusted my like my ability to do things like dodge and jump and run and, and do things like that so much better than my hand's ability to actually play games well. <laughs> so I fucking wish that that's, that's the world we lived in, you know? Like, I would love fighting games and fighting game tournaments to be, like, 
athletes, you know, like like fighters who are in a VR setup. And instead of like doing brain damage to each other, it's point fighting with, you know, this sort of thing. I'm not saying that I want that to replace everything else. You know, I, I like uh, the brutality sometimes of, you know, I'll, I'll just say it like I, I I'm not into blood. I'm not into hurting you know, people, I'm not into people being hurt, but like there is something very gut level and instinctual about watching two human beings fight each other. So I, I'll say that, but it would be cool to have this. It would be so cool to have this version of esports that is very physical and very physically oriented. I have no idea if that's actually going to happen, but yeah. so when I, when I hear this description though, immediately I'm like, this is, this is going to get people at like, this is like, what if it was the sports version of that awful Palmer Lucky Time magazine cover. Oh God, that's yeah, uh, that's so it. <laughs> at which point it's like people wearing ridiculous outfits and helmets, like gesturing in front of a green screen. Well, no, <laughs> I just I don't I don't see it. I don't I don't think it ends up working. Um, however, where I've been really intrigued by the possibility of VR with esports, uh, VR AR something like that. Mm. Is the possibility for uh, virtual arenas? Yes. Like one of the issues that that esports has is that it's fun being in an esports tournament, and that some of those venues are are really incredible, and the energy in the room is is really something. But like by and large, there's there's not a ton of reason to actually be there from a spectator uh, point of view. Um, I'm not sure even VR VR solves that, but the reason I bring it up is. Nevertheless, you're you're always sort of spectating uh, what a in-game observer is saying. Yeah. And I think where VR can really have an impact is imagine if you are able to basically be standing over uh, in Counter-Strike the opera, right? The the sniper mm-hmm. player. Uh, if you're basically like able to be standing over that person's shoulder. Uh, in-game or something like that. Or even if uh, something that I think Valve has sort of teased that they would like to do long-term is what if everyone in the arena uh, at a a live event is looking down at a simulated representation of the game space? What if, you know, you've got the characters basically running around larger than life uh, in the middle of a stadium surrounded by 30,000, 40,000 people? Yeah. And everyone's looking at the field, and they're seeing the game being played. That, That's I think, cool. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that really, could, really that cool. That could be really cool. Um, but I do think... Behind Nick's question is a problem that I'm not sure esports is ever going to solve in most cases, which is that mm-hmm. the skill is largely unobservable. Like, I was in mm-hmm. a room the other week with um, uh, some people at my company, who uh, were learning about fighting games. And somebody throws a clip up on the screen, and it's the uh, the Daigo parry. Mm. And it meant nothing to them. <laughs> like, and, and it, it was a weird thing, right? Because, like, anyone who has even played a little bit of Street Fighter, when they see, uh, what is it, Evo Moment 37, the Daigo parry. Yeah. Uh, immediately, like, sees something incredible, and it's like, holy shit, I didn't know that was impossible. I didn't know that was possible. The first time I saw that video, I realized, like, my god, fighting games are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, However... I mean, even I know what that is. I mean, I'm not... I do not know much, but I know what that concept is, yes. Right, but I was surrounded by young people who were, were, were at... who work at this company, and they looked at it, and they were like... Okay, so what's cool about that? Why is everyone losing their mind uh, in that <laughs> clip? Sure. And I think that's like I think that's going to be a real problem for esports. And maybe it's one we don't we don't really have to solve. You know, it's okay to not not everything needs to be, needs to be the NFL. It's it's okay right. to be uh, you know what one of my friends calls like you know you might never be bigger than professional bowling. It's okay to be that. Everyone's still having a great time, but you're going to have a a problem catching on if the skill involved can't really be read and i'm not sure vr can solve that yeah cuz you're still playing you're still playing an abstract game it's still there's nothing a human can be doing in an, in a vr rig 
that I probably wouldn't rather them see see them doing, uh, you know, making a reception uh, on a football field or, um, you know, outmaneuvering the defense in a game of hockey or soccer. There's there's something funny to me about the way that futuristic sports, you know, in scare quotes, uh, have always been sort of represented. I guess maybe yeah. Tron does the best job of this, but you know, something like the game from Ender's Game or or other things. Like the, there's very few examples of like a truly well designed futuristic game, if that makes sense. And some of this is that exact problem, I think. Uh, yeah. You know, games that are complicated on on a level uh, that we don't see often because we have things like, you know, certain restrictions like normal gravity or, you know, yeah. uh, the way physics works typically, uh, you know, in on Earth. Um, so I think there's, oh, God, I just, I do wish there was some way of hybridizing it that wasn't completely yeah. stupid looking. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe AR is the, the real thing here. Maybe, maybe there could be arenas that are physical arenas, but with, you know, AR opponents or something, and it actually looks cool to run around and dodge and do ninja moves or whatever, like physically actually be doing the motions in a physical space, but some element of it is abstracted. Some element is, uh, you know, game-like or, or video gamey or, or however you want to put it, but and this will continue to be an unsolved problem, I think, for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the person who cracks it is going to make a fortune. Oh, uh, for sure. Like it's, but everyone thinks they're going to be the one to crack it, and some sometimes maybe there aren't solutions. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's it's an intriguing both. It's it's two very unproven things. Two things that have a long way to mature, right? VR yeah. and esports. Could they even be the answer to each other's uh, problems? Maybe, but it's, there's so many possibilities for both these spaces. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so our next letter comes from Felix. Felix writes, greetings from France. I have recently gotten into a game called Valhalla, which is spelled in a super cool way, V-A-1-1-Hall-A, which is fun. Uh, it's a visual novel with heavy 90s Japanese style where you are a bartender in a futuristic dystopian bar, and all storytelling happens through conversations with clients who share their stories as they drink. I'm usually disheartened by this genre, since these types of games are often too linear, at which point I'd rather read a book, or they implement a dialogue system where you simply decide what you want to happen rather than role-play an actual character with, uh, within the premise. But Valhalla, despite not having any dialogue options, does have a nonlinear storyline. The entirety of the gameplay consists of serving drinks, and all dialogue is scripted. Thus, there are no explicit, quote, important decision moments, unquote, where some characters' fates entirely depend on your whim. Rather, you make subtle experimental moves, such as increasing the alcohol in a drink to encourage your uh, client to forget their qualms or remove all alcohol from a cocktail and let a client engage with you about their lives. This means that even when you know dialogue changes, uh, the dialogue changes, rather, according to what you serve your clients, there's no indication that the story was swayed. Anyway, this got me thinking. Which games do you know of where interactive storytelling is done subtly, yet feels truly pertinent? Also, games where the gameplay is unassumingly potent. Peace, Felix. I actually played Valhalla way back uh, when it was sort of an early, super early build, and I've heard a lot of things about it uh, sort of since then. Uh, it did have, like, some issues with, like, the way it portrayed a sex worker, I think, potentially, but I think also that it was maybe more complicated than that, and it was it was sort of... Uh, dressed in some way. Anyway, it, it is a really fascinating game, and I actually kind of love the point that Felix is bringing up, where it's like you're actually role playing. You, so you're, you know, the thing that you're doing in that game mostly is making these drinks, and then also sort of like playing with that a little bit to see what what different results you get. And I I do love that. I do really really enjoy that. Um, I think there are a lot of smaller games that do cool things uh, with this sort of thing. Uh, there's a game called. Emily was missing. I think that's the name of it. That that actually does this really cool thing with, uh, you know, it's it's supposed to look like a phone app. Like you pick up this missing girl's phone, and it's uh, you know, it's sort of a horror story about like what happened to her and, oh, and piecing right, right, things right. together. Is it Emily was missing, or is it? I can't it... remember what I've heard about this game. Ah, yeah. uh, I haven't played much actually. Like I've only sort of seen my girlfriend play a bit of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it is. It Emily is away. Rather, not Emily is missing. <laughs> Sorry. 
but it's supposed to be really, really interesting uh, and does a lot of stuff with, like, you know, um, basically instant messenger stuff and, and all this other, you know, uh, maybe I'm actually con- confounding two different games here, but it's sorry. I guess this is almost like a style of game, uh, you know, a mystery or a, or a, you know, sort of very narratively based game that, that uses things like, oh, you know, sort of mundane conversations or, or, or little things and little pieces and little, little elements. I love that kind of stuff. I have a really, really good time uh, with those kinds of games that are like, here's a life. Here, here are those sort of pieces and, and bits and pieces and scraps of a life lived. And the story is all in there. And you just kind of just kind of thread it together in your own time. There's something like very, almost like a little bit raw in those types yeah. of games and, that I super, super appreciate. Yeah, I mean, subtle storytelling like that or, or subtle narr- narrative devices like that where things are being influenced but you're not exactly sure how or why and the game isn't like really letting you know what the key mo- like what the what the key divergences were yeah. um boy that is rare super rare <laughs> yeah uh, but i feel like i've only seen it in in relatively small games yeah. um there's emily's way and then there's another one that's based on finding the phone there there're two different games that i'm Basically talking about the same thing in both of them, but uh, I'll try to figure out what the name of the other. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 cool, and when it's done right, I mean, if you're talking about like more subtle storytelling, it's something like her story, but with less of a melodramatic narrative would also. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was like a pretty her melodramatic. Fine. You know, I I love what the game was doing, maybe more than than the you know the finished product, but I still I still have a lot of respect for it for yeah. doing what it did so well. But the you know it's one of those things. It's like oh her story, but maybe with like dialed down just a, just a little bit on the on the <laughs> melodrama scale. Or dial it up. Or dial it all the way up. It's about demons, baby. You know, yeah. like go one way or the other with that. <laughs> God, yeah, I'm. <laughs> yeah, they're so yeah, because most times we're we're most games that are doing experiments with the narrative are actually going the full heavy-handed, uh, you know, Danielle will remember that and yeah yeah uh, yeah stuff like that. Um, yeah, okay, the other game. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, I'll just say it. the name of the other game is a normal lost phone. That's the other one that I'm thinking of. That's like, oh, you found this girl's phone, and oh god, what happened to her through text messages and pictures and all sorts of stuff that's on her on her phone. So yeah, same same general concept, but both of those are, are cool. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, that's that's everything. Because um, yeah, I just haven't played enough enough games that really fit this bill. Uh, but but definitely now I want to like uh, that sound that sounds awesome. Uh, but then I look at Valhalla and I'm like, that doesn't look like my kind of game because I'm superficial like that. Well, it's super anime. Like the, <laughs> that game is 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 heavy. It's super anime on your yeah. SNES. Yes, uh, very much yeah. so. Which is I I I dig the cyberpunkness of it. It's uh it's very cyberpunk. It's very the rainy day. Yeah. You know, in in 2019 Los Angeles, like it's. It's totally doing that, which I love, and will basically play anything that does that well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it. I get that the aesthetics of that specific game might not be a hundred percent your deal, uh, and you know what? That's okay, because there's other games out there. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. Maybe it's okay, or maybe I just need to 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 tough tough it out and overcome. Maybe you those. need to. Yeah. Maybe you need to just get through uh, a couple of drinks, yep. and then you go play your cyberpunk bartending game. <laughs> you know, like you do. I mean, speaking of uh, things that you do, I think it's probably time for us to go to our weekend projects. So, Rob, are you reading or watching or, or even playing anything that's that's super uh, front and center right now for you? Yeah, um... The other day, I was overcome with a fit of nostalgia and decided to revisit uh, that '90s classic, Tombstone. Oh yeah! All which right, is great. <laughs> is real good times. Yes. Um, really, really great '90s western. Like what I love about Tombstone is 
basically it's it's like in the era of like nineties action movies. And someone's like, you know, the problem with the okay corral gunfight is not enough people were killed. <laughs> it just it just there just wasn't enough bloodshed uh in, in in the old west. So we need to really punch it up, you know, a few notches. <laughs> and the result is Tombstone which first of all, like literally everybody is in. Uh, it's it's ridiculous how stacked that cast is. Uh, I remember, and, like, every cute boy and then every hot man. Like, and that's all I remember. That's it was, pretty much what the like, movie was. Like, 1994, and I was only just becoming aware of, of, like, movies with cute boys and hot guys who were too old for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I distinctly remember there being, like, oh, there's a lot of wispy, blonde, blonde-haired, you know, hot boys in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, there it's it's a good-looking cast. Uh, Kurt yeah. Russell is rocking a an amazing mustache. Oh um, wow! Yeah, uh, almost certainly a fake mustache, but who knows? Uh, maybe <laughs> it's real. Uh, maybe he just was able to grow a majestic like handlebar situation. I uh, believe it. Yeah, Val Kilmer, I believe that. Oh yeah. Uh, is, I'm not sure he's ever been cooler in a movie than <laughs> in this uh, turn as Doc Holliday. In this nice. in this movie, but yeah, it was funny. I was watching like I was watching it, and uh, on the one hand, it was exactly what I remember. On the other hand, it was of course not as good as I remember. Sure, sure. And yeah. I think part of it is that there is a lot of there are a lot of ways to glamorize and fetishize violence. Yeah. That with time will look increasingly silly and absurd. And Tombstone definitely falls into that category uh, at yeah. times. Like, So after uh, they start their campaign of retribution against uh, the, the gang known as the Cowboys, um, the the Earps and uh, Wyatt Earp and his, his band of buddies uh, start just killing a bunch of dudes. Like, a <laughs> lot. And it's a montage of them killing guys. Yeah. And... In between the the sort of kill videos, they're shown just like riding across the countryside while the music plays, and <laughs> uh, they're shooting their guns off, and then it'll like do a sequence of all the guys riding by the camera one by one taking shots, and it's like literally you know these shots were just like, but you know there's no action happening here. Yeah, it's just. Dudes riding by on a horse, like, looking hard and shooting stuff. Shooting guns off in the air. And the movie falls back on this a few times, and every time you're like, okay, this is this is getting increasingly laughable. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I think... Tombstone is... <laughs> Tombstone is a B movie with... Yeah. An A plus cast is oh, yeah. is the problem. Like, you can't put <laughs> Sam Elliott and Kurt Russell and uh, Val Kilmer and I think uh, at, like literally everyone is is in this damn movie. Like Billy Bob Thornton is even in this. Oh movie. my god! I don't even know. Like, I, like he flashes by in like a heartbeat and 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 he's gone. <laughs> I think Billy Zane might be in this movie. Um, oh my god! Like it's just there's this is such a ridiculously uh, stacked cast. The dude who plays Hicks in Aliens uh, is Johnny Ringo. Uh, the the uh, sort of the dark uh, flip side version of Doc Holliday. Like, everyone is in this damn movie. Everyone is just selling it hard. And you don't even care <laughs> that ultimately it's really dumb and heavy handed. Um, and oh, yeah. Bill also... Paxton and Michael. Yeah. Bean. Yes. Bean. Yes. Oh my God! Like aliens, resurrection. Yeah, not resurrection. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's like <laughs> a reunion. Yeah. It's like a reunion. Yeah, a little tour. reunion, exactly. Uh, yeah, and so there's just no way this movie has no choice to, but to be enjoyable, and yet like the moments where it's trying to take itself super seriously, <laughs> like where uh, Sam Elliott's character Virgil Earp has a crisis of con- uh, conscience and is like. We need to clean up this city. He does the best with the material provided, but it is the classic, like, like literally, he rescues a child 
in the street from being ridden down by a gang of cowboys. <laughs> and he looks into the sad little waif's eyes oh, and God. realizes that he needs to step up and like bring law and order uh, to this town for the, for the children. <laughs> uh, it's like this is kind. Of, this is a movie where that kind of stuff happens. It's yeah. also super awkward in that um, Wyatt Earp's wife's character, wife in this movie, <laughs> it's, it's an amazingly like uh, she she's a total laudanum junkie. Oh, like, good. Literally, I think her first line in the movie is, "Anyone got any laudanum?" <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's bad. And like it's, oh, like no. every scene, she's just like, oh man, I really hope there's more laudanum around here. <laughs> oh no! So, but she's clear. But but the, the cool, the the funny thing is, she's played with this like little the, this vulnerability and the sense that like Wyatt is already like become losing interest and becoming unavailable, and she's just kind of like there's this panic in her eyes throughout the movie that is there and it is present and it is uncomfortable and admittedly the half the time she's also like high out of her mind yeah yeah but <laughs> Wyatt is like eh hell with this I'm I'm done with this junkie and wow. I think in the movie it's basically supposed to be like oh just he needs to move on and get with that beautiful actress lady uh, who's, who's clearly the, the the better option here and 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 the best the best fit for him, and I think that's the way the movie's written. But the performance from the woman playing his wife actually makes it clear, like just what an unbelievable heel uh, yeah. he he's being, and what a just yeah. yeah, it's it's good times. But the, but that's the main awesome. thing is it's just that movie is worth watching. I think increasingly solely because. Val Kilmer has never been cooler or more beautiful uh, than than in this movie. He's also wearing a mustache and goatee that make his mouth less creepy. Good, okay, You know what yeah. I mean about Val Kilmer's yeah. mouth? Yeah, it's a little, you know, sometimes it's a little much. The he's mouth got, is a bit much. Yeah. yeah, he's got like that, um, almost like, um... Cupid, like a, like a Cupid heart, uh, like yeah. mouth and jaw, right? Like the entire thing is just a little too like, like a, you know, a little a little too like a cartoon heart, almost. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, uh, the the but with the but with the right the right goatee and mustache combo, uh, <laughs> he's just he's just a beautiful, um, an exquisitely uh, broken gunfighter. Oh, God, that sounds perfect. I need oh, to see just, that again. I'm gonna throw oh. one other thing out there. Oh yeah, yeah. As an interesting companion piece, the tombstone, yeah. and I, my mechanical keyboard is too fucking loud for me to search anything right now, so I'm just not gonna bother <laughs> with it. But there was a made-for-TV movie uh, years later. I think it might have been called Purgatory, in which a gang of cowboys, I think, end up in yes. a town full of dead gunfighters, like. It's a really like creepy religious community, and this group of outlaws like hole up and hide the hideout in this town, and it starts to dawn on them that everyone they see in this town is like a legendary gunslinger or killer or something like that. Oh my god! And Donnie Wahlberg is in this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is definitely called Purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. And <laughs> the best part is Doc Holliday's in that movie as well. Played by Randy fucking Quaid. Randy Quaid! Like, you want to see Randy Quaid be, like, peak crazy with a double-barreled shotgun? Oh, Like, yes. this is your movie. And I can't actually endorse it as, like, a good movie, but I can <laughs> say it is exactly, like, what you'd be hoping for out of a movie like that. Yeah. Oh, okay, that sounds awesome. This is going to have to be a, a rainy day or a snowy day, I guess, for me. Just Tombstone and Purgatory. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I love Westerns. It's not something I realized until I was, like, a grown-up, but I, yeah. I fucking love a good Western. Neither did oh. I. It, it, like, it was basically as I was building my, like, DVD collection, like, the things that I'm like, oh, man, I need to have that. Yeah. A lot of times it was Westerns, and that's never been a genre I considered myself a big fan of. But then yeah. when I look at, like, what makes up the – what genre reliably makes up, like, the bulk of, like, favorite comfort films – Mm-hmm. Man, there's a lot of westerns there. 
Western speak to a very like I don't know. It, you know, obviously they have their their big motifs and their big themes about you know lawlessness versus order and and you know adventure and excitement and all this other stuff. They're just I don't know. They I've obviously I've always been ride or die for sci-fi. No question. That's always going to be probably that's probably always going to be my favorite genre ever. Yeah. Uh, because I love I just love the possibilities of it. But like if you're if you're talking about a dark horse contender for near and dear to my heart, I I do love a good western. I, I think a lot of that same stuff about adventure and excitement and sort of where to draw the line and morality in a world of of unwritten rules. That's that's it's all pretty cool. It's it's fun to do that stuff, you know. It's fun. So you know, of course, when there's a sci-fi western, I get very excited. Ah, <laughs> oh, I liked Westworld a lot. Anyway. My weekend project, uh, I just finished it. It's the fucking book I've been talking about saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, as soon as I finish yeah. it, I'll actually talk about it. Uh, and it ties in perfectly with uh, this week's sort of bigger topic at the beginning of the show. And that is what I talk about when I talk about running by uh, Haruki Murakami, the, the novelist. He's written a lot of interesting and cool, surreal novels. But this is his sort of sports biography. Um a lot of people have suggested that I read it, and my girlfriend got it for me for Christmas, and I sort of read it slowly and like a slow burn. You could get through this book in like a day or two. It's not very long, and it's it's almost it's not exactly an essay collection uh, because there is there is sort of a through line to it, but it really is just him organizing his thoughts about his life, about his relationship to long distance running and triathlons and basically endurance sports in general, and the way he approaches writing. Uh, and it's very much like a completely personal story. He's like, this is exactly, I'm just going to organize my thoughts. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, and it takes place, you know, sort of uh, early 2000s as he's training for a race. He's training for the New York City Marathon. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's sort of like a very long time runner. Um, you know, he started in the early 80s, sort of during, during a time I, I've come to understand a lot of people started doing long distance running. My dad started at that point. It was kind of like a, it was a running craze in the early 80s, apparently, uh, and that was, you know, when he started and started running marathons. He's done a couple of ultra marathons and a lot of triathlons, but really he runs a marathon every year and he and he talks about his training and he talks about just his, his kind of no bullshit, but also not humorless approach, uh, which I found really, really fascinating and uh, actually really really soothing in the yeah. last couple of months as I've been reading it and, and sort of worried again about injury and so on and so forth. You know, he, he was writing this when he was in his fifties. He might even be in his sixties now. You know, he's, he's not, a, he's not a young, young man. Uh, and, you know, kind of talking about things like, you know, in so many words, stat decay and the way the aging process is like, it's just, it's harder and harder every year to get any faster. And, you know, uh, but how he's kind of like, but, yeah, whatever. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it till the day I can't do it anymore. And just kind of having that grit about him yeah. Uh, without being a hard ass, if that makes sense. Like he still has such sense of humor about it. He's still kind of, you know, he talks about how, oh, you know, you, you have this weird relationship as a runner to like other people that you see running, even if you never talk to them. Like, oh, I know this lady every day. She's going for a jog, you know, whatever. I'm very happy that she's doing it too. Like, it's like you have these weird little sort of internalized routines and these times where you can be alone with your thoughts or, or be, you know, at least uh, pretty <laughs> honest with yourself when you're out there and you're feeling miserable and you, you're still trying to get through it. So, uh, yeah, God, I I can't think of another book that really gets at the sort of long distance runner mentality of like, well, life is suffering, but it's all right, <laughs> which yeah. is very, very much uh, the mentality I've had uh, when I'm happy with my training, at least. And sort of, you know, the way my dad always talked about it. My dad uh, was, you know, a marathoner for quite a long time and he got me into running It's when I was a little, little kid. Uh, he would he would he would run races with me and stuff. And he always came to my races. And, you know, it's just a nice thing that I sort of share with my dad. Uh, and he always just is also kind of a no bullshit, but very funny person, very warm person. He'd always be like, I remember asking him once, like, Dad, how the how do you run a marathon? You know, I was I, I was probably like 11 or 12 and we were running, you know, like a five mile race or something. He's like, well, you put one foot in front of the other. 
and you put the other foot in front of that one, and you repeat the process for 26.2 miles. And that was like my my that's my dad in a nutshell, basically. Uh, Thanks, Coach. Yep, it's exactly exactly uh, speaks to that mentality. So I really really love this book. Uh, if you're ever interested in in the reason why runners do crazy things to their bodies and suffer it's a good uh it's a good one for that oh anyway so i think i think with that it's it's time for us to uh head out and enjoy our weekends so this episode of idle weekend is produced by yours truly and is hosted on the idle thumbs network you can learn more about idle weekend at idleweekend.net and send us questions for our weekend correspondence at questions at idleweekend.net. To keep up with the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at Idle Weekend. And we really do appreciate you listening, and we also appreciate word of mouth. So if you go ahead and tell your, you know, weird, wizened running coaches, your dads, uh, people you appreciate in your life, friends, family, pets, whoever, whoever you think might enjoy the show, it helps us out so, so much. If you do have a moment to rate us on iTunes, that also helps us out very, very much. And we really do appreciate that. So for Rob Zachney, this is Danielle Riendo wishing you the finest of idle weekends. God, I really do want to just sit down and watch a million westerns right now. Yeah. It's also a winter thing. I, I'm, like, super into watching westerns yeah, in the winter. Yeah, it's warm sunlight. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, so so beautiful. Beautiful and good. Yeah, I was thinking, like, what... I think my favorite is probably still uh, Rio Bravo. Mm, mm-hmm. Um... I really love Appaloosa. <laughs> I like the the somewhat newer, but not necessarily like super new. Yeah. Uh, wave. I grew up watching a lot of the the spaghetti westerns with my dad. Yeah. Uh, basically silent films a lot of the time, um, and we would just kind of sit there and watch. And you know, my dad would provide color commentary about, "Well, this guy did this," and it's cute, you know. Yeah. There's a. Uh, I mean, like I was surprised little while ago like how well stagecoach holds up oh um, god yeah still a great movie uh it's super like perfectly era. crafted yeah um silverado was a lot of fun yeah 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 no it, western westerns are a blast and i think they exist in such a well-established like moral universe yeah um like it's like the character, like you know all the characters, right? There's oh, yeah. gunfighter on the rise. There's aging gunfighter. Um, there's gutless sheriff. There's heroic mm-hmm. sheriff. Yeah, it's just like you know, you just mix and match the elements. Uh, you pick a time and place and a terrain, and boom, like and magic let it, happens. Let it go. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so good.